Well, Merry Christmas, y'all. So glad that you're here to worship with us. Hey, I'm going to be a little bit Baptist this morning. I know Baptists tend to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. Would you all stand with me for one moment? We're going to read Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. We're going to lead off with this this morning. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. This is God's word. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse number seven goes on to say this, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of this prophecy that there was a a child who would be born, a son who would be given for us, for our salvation, for our freedom. God, thank you for what you have provided for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this season when we can celebrate that, when we can slow down and we can remember your coming as a child. And ultimately, not just your coming as a child, but that you grew into a man who would give his life for us, for the sins of the world. And so, God, thank you for that this morning. Uh, Remind us of the truth of who you are. Remind us of the truth that you are our Prince of Peace today. Lord, we offer you this morning. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you for being here again. uh, We are in the last uh, week of this series, His Name Shall Be. And we've said throughout this series that each of these names listed uh, is not a formal title, rather it's a description of of what Jesus is like. And so we've gone through over the last few weeks, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Today we finish with the fourth uh, and final one, which is Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And at the center of that angel's proclamation that we just read in Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, we see this promise of peace peace that this Messiah, the Savior, would bring. Luke 2 verse 14 says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So this promise of peace. What is this peace that the angels announced? Uh, What is this peace all about? So when, when we think of peace, I think most of the world thinks of first and foremost, uh, peace on earth. Peace, world peace, right? Um, there is not a day that goes by when we can't turn on the news or look to the news on our phone and see like stories of violence and war and all kinds of atrocities going on across our planet, right? And so I think when we think about peace, we think about peace on earth. And this, is this really what that peace was all about? So I've talked about in, in uh in years gone by about uh, this band that was really influential in my like, middle school and high school years, this will date me, uh, the band U2. And around the turn of the century, they wrote this song called uh, Peace on Earth. Uh, and this song was kind of like this psalm-like rant um, expressing frustration and, and disappointment and, and sorrow over a world at war. The song was written on the heels of a bombing in, in Northern Ireland, and it, it's this psalm-like rant that says, like, God, uh, what's going on? You, you said peace is going to come, but all we see is violence and conflict and war. And I, I just want to read you uh, the chorus of this at the end of the song. It says this, Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line, peace on earth? 
to tell the ones who hear no sound, and this is referring to parents whose children have died, uh, whose sons are living in the ground, peace on earth. Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat, peace on earth. And I think this is referring to the angels' songs that we've, we've seen already. Hear it every Christmas time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? And I think we all share this desire like to see peace on earth, right? That, that there wouldn't be conflict all across uh, the globe. Y'all, we had a, my wife and I had a trip planned to Israel in February that's been pushed off to 2025 because of conflict over there, right? It's all over the place. And so I think we all have this desire for peace on earth, but is this the extent of peace on earth that the angels were declaring, that this Messiah would bring? Is it simply an absence of, of war? Is it, is it simply an absence of conflict relationally between, between people? Or is it something more? So here's an old Hebrew word that I introduced to you previously. It's, it's the Hebrew word for peace. The word is shalom. Shalom is this, this rich, deeply meaningful word uh, in, in Hebrew, and, and what it means is not just an absence of, of war or conflict. It, it's to be made complete, to be made whole, to be restored. So it's as if something is, is missing or broken that needs to be made whole or needs to be restored. This is what shalom, this is what peace is, not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of something restorative, something that would make things whole. And so in Isaiah 9, when it said this child born, the son given, would be a prince of peace, what Isaiah was saying is that, that his coming would ultimately bring a wholeness and a completeness and a flourishing among mankind. This is what he's talking about, the shalom. He would make all things the way they ought to be. He would, being, he would bring shalom to the people. He would bring three things. I'm going I'm to break this up into three things this morning. He would bring peace with God. He would bring peace with God. So we sang this song uh, just a few minutes ago, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Uh, and and I was, I always, this always reminds me of my grandfather. His name was Harold. Right, the herald angels sing, y'all. Okay, a few of you were like, ha, 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 pity laugh. No one in the first service. So thank you all for being awake at 1129. Hark the herald, the angels who are heralding the coming of this Savior, right? The, the line that I wanted to read was this, that we sang, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. So God and sinners reconciled. That's what we're talking about. Peace with God, that Jesus came to to give us peace with God. You see, you've already heard this, this this morning, but God created us for relationship with him. But we are all sinners. We sin. We have broken God's commandments. We have, uh, we have done things in disobedience to the one who created us. And so we are sinners, and our sin separates us from God. Because of our sin, because of our human sinful nature, there's a barrier between us and God that we are by nature uh, opposed to God. We are enemies of God. We need to be reconciled to him. We need our relationship with him to be restored and made whole again. And yet, because we are sinners, there is nothing that we can do to remove our sin, to atone for our sin, to have our sins forgiven. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. And so God sent a prince of peace to bring us peace with 
God. It's something we could never, ever achieve on our own. Colossians 1, 19 and 20, it says this, speaking of Jesus, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So this baby that was born, the son that was given would grow up. He would live a perfectly sinless life, totally pleasing to his father 100%. And he would offer his life as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins in our place. And so by his blood, the blood of his cross, he has made peace between us and God. Romans 5.1, it says it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 12 through 14, Paul says it this way. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. He's speaking of every human being before they come into a relationship with God by faith. He says, remember, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been made near, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. How? Verse 14, for he himself is our what? He is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Listen, the Prince of Peace, Jesus came to break down the wall of hostility between us and God. He came to bring us shalom, to bring us peace. This is who Jesus is. He came to bring us, first of all, peace with, with God. And then there's a second kind of way this, this peace plays out. Peace within me and peace with one another. Not just peace with God, but peace within me and peace with one another. So the Bible sp speaks very frequently about this, this peace, the peace of God, it says, that, that fills us, right? It fills us. And the, the idea is that with Christ, with Christ, we don't have to be filled, listen, with, with turmoil and conflict, inner conflict. No, we can have peace, which Philippians 4-7 calls peace that surpasses all understanding. It's this inward peace. It's this peace that floods our soul. It's peace within us. And then it extends peace within me and peace with one another. And I want to emphasize peace within the, the people of God. Ephesians 4, Paul says it this way. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk this way with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Paul says this, that Jesus is coming and him, him giving us of his spirit allows us as the people of God to actually uh, be unified, to have unity in the spirit, in the bond of peace. Of peace. And so one of the reflections that this Prince of Peace has come and invaded our lives is that we have peace with one another. And one of the things we'll celebrate next week online in that service is just the unity that God has brought to our church, that we are united around the gospel. And this is why Jesus came to bring us not just peace with God, but peace within, peace within me, and then peace with, with one another.
And then there's a, a third kind of, uh, actually, let me, let me read a couple verses here. This peace within my soul, I love this. This passage came up in our Bible reading this week. John 14, verse 27, Jesus spoke these words. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace, pay attention here, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what Jesus is saying is there is a form of peace that the world offers, right? It's, it's an absence of, of conflict. It's an outward kind of peace. And yet Jesus says, listen, there is a peace that I, I give to you that the world could never, ever offer to you. It's a peace that, again, fills your soul. It is a peace within. My peace I give to you. All right, so peace within me, peace with one another. Here's a third and kind of final peace. Peace with God, peace within me and with one another. Peace without end. Peace without end. I want you to look back at at Isaiah 9, verse number 6. Remember how this starts? It says, to us a child is born, to us a son is giving. And we talked about this in previous weeks, that this speaks about the first advent, the first coming of Jesus, right? When he was born as a baby in the manger in Bethlehem. A child is born, to us a son is given. He, he was born, he was given to give us peace with God. He was born, he was given to give us peace within and with one another. But then it moves on to this next phrase in verse 6. It says, and the government shall be upon his Shoulder. This is not speaking to his first coming, his first advent. It's speaking to his second coming, his second advent, that when he comes again, he will be the king of kings, the lord of lords. He will rule, he will reign. And here's the phrase I've repeated every week of this series, is that his rule and his reign will be three things. Y'all remember this? It'll be absolute, it'll be peaceful, it'll be endless. This one who is going to come as king of kings and lord of lords his rule will be absolute. There's not one square inch of all creation over which he will not rule and reign. His rule will be absolute. It will be peaceful. It will be endless, without end. In fact, if you look back to verse number seven, here, here's what it says in, in verse number seven. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be what? No end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth. And for how long? Forevermore. Forevermore. His rule and his reign will be absolute. It will be peaceful. It will be endless. Peace without end. The increase of his rule, the, 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 the quality of his rule and of his peace, man, it's going to be marked by justice and with righteousness. From this point forevermore, peace without end. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 4. You'll, you'll probably be familiar with some of these verses in, in the book of Isaiah. Here, here's this prophecy about his coming rule. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide uh, disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And John MacArthur, he says it this way, warfare will continue to characterize human history until the Prince of Peace returns to put an end to it. 
And y'all, this is part and parcel of this broken world. It's going to continue to be marked by conflict, adversity, war, until the Prince of Peace ultimately returns a second time to put, it, put an end to it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse, verses 6 through 9, it says this. When that kingdom, when his kingdom comes, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear uh, shall graze, their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Verse nine, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth, I love this phrase, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. This planet, all of creation will be flooded with his grace and his mercy. There'll be no more pain, there'll be no more hurt, there'll be no more destruction. Why? Because the Prince of Peace will have come and the government will be upon his shoulder. Listen, y'all, this Prince of Peace will bring shalom to all of creation. He will bring perfect peace and restoration to all of creation. This Prince of Peace is Jesus. It is Jesus. Brad Watson says this about his coming. God isn't emptying the world of pain when he arrives in a cradle. He's filling the world with his glory and life. Y'all know that when Jesus came and he didn't do away like with, with conflict on this planet, but what he did was he filled this world with his glory and his life. And I want to say this too. His goal wasn't just to fill the world with his glory and with his life. His desire is to fill you with his glory and with his life. He came to save you to give you life. And so what do we do in light of all this with this Prince of Peace who has come? How do we live in light of this? Uh, I have one question I wanna ask y'all in, in light of, of what we've seen about him being our Prince of Peace. And this is a question that, that we all ought to wrestle with at any point during the year, but especially now. Y'all, we can't come through this season and not consider this about the Prince of Peace. Here's my question for you. I don't care how long or how briefly you've been in church. Here's the question for you. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? Have you come to a point in your life where you've put your faith and your trust in him? You've received the gift of God's grace and his mercy. Listen, it's like any gift that we, that we receive. Right, this morning uh, I had one of our folks, uh, one of my favorite kind of gifts is this like, let me, let me sneak a big bill into your hand as I'm passing by, all right? I'm not like, I'm not asking y'all for that, okay? I'm just saying, <laughs> but it was a very cool gift. But you know what? I didn't earn that. I didn't deserve it. Um, some of y'all will be like, you need to work harder for that money, right? But it's like any gift, man. It's, a, it's, it's given not because we earn it or deserve it. Man, it's given freely, and God's gift of peace, this is the ultimate gift of his grace that he would offer us. Those who have hearts and souls and lives filled with conflict and turmoil to have peace with our maker. 
who made us for relationship with him. Do you have peace with God? If you do, if you're in this room and you say, yes, I am in Christ, I'm a child of God, I know that, I've put my faith in him, I'm gonna encourage you today and tomorrow and through the rest of this year and the season, I wanna encourage you to live by the words, the simple and yet really powerful words of Colossians 3, verse number 15. I wanna read this to you. Paul says these words, Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body. And don't miss these last three words. Would you say them with me? And be thankful. And be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The assumption is this, y'all, is that so often our hearts are ruled by conflict and frustration and disappointment and maybe even sadness and confusion and Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. And I want to call you all to that in this season. Let me end this morning with, with one quote and one scriptural benediction. All right. Here is, here is the quote I want to read for you. It's so important. I'm going to throw on my... Readers, all right, here's what Ray Ortland says. And this is summarizing this passage we've been in, Isaiah 9, really verses 1 through 7. says this, Jesus will bring his peace with a lopsided victory like Gideon of old. He will bring a complete end to all tyranny forever. And the new world of peace will triumph through, surprisingly, a child. Here's the summary of what we've read. This royal son's counsel is wise. He is our wonderful counselor. His power is divine. He is our mighty God. His love is fatherly. He is our everlasting father. And his rule creates peace. He is our prince of peace. His kingdom will not merely succeed, but will forever increase with all the resolve of his deepest heart, the Lord will do this. And I wanna invite you all to stand and I'm gonna read this benediction over you. As we wrap up this morning, this year, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way, the Lord be with you all. Amen. And God, thank you that you are our Prince of Peace. Jesus, thank you that you made your way to us when we couldn't make our way to you, that you came to give us peace with God. That no amount of good deeds or, or works could accomplish or achieve Jesus, you came to be our Prince of Peace, to bring us shalom, to restore our souls and our lives and our eternity to what they were created for, for you. And so Jesus, thank you for being our Prince of Peace. Thank you for giving us peace within. Thank you for creating peace and unity within your church. Uh, Lord, thank you that one day you will return King of kings, Lord of lords, that you will rule and reign for all of eternity and 
that we will get to experience. For those of us that know you as Lord, we will get to experience peace without end forevermore. And so God, in the season, we want to say thank you. We want to be thankful. We want to let your peace, the peace of Christ, rule in our hearts today. You are our wonderful counselor. You are our mighty God. You are our everlasting father. You are our prince of peace. And this morning we are grateful. We thank you for coming for us. God, we love you and we will worship you today with all of our hearts, we pray. Amen.